Hello again, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and you've checked into Employment Notebook here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Now, this podcast is designed to help individuals in the workplace, no matter what position you might be in. Today, we're talking about sparking employee passion. And to discuss that subject, we brought on PhD Lee J. Colan, the founder of the L Group, Inc. Lee advises executives from some of America's leading businesses, has also authored 12 popular leadership books, including the best-selling Engaging the Heart and Minds of All Your Employees, and his most recent release, Stick With It, Mastering the Art of Adherence. Lee, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, Tim. My pleasure. So first and foremost, just to give people an idea of where exactly you're coming from, give us a little bit of an idea of what the L Group is all about. Sure. We're a leadership consulting firm. We consult with uh, large and some smaller companies on how to elevate their leadership by helping their teams execute their plans and also how to better engage their organization. So in essence, that's what we do. And just uh, happen to write some books and speak on the side. But uh, the main thing is that we really help organizations elevate their performance through their people. Perfect. And of course, that's a, a popular topic amongst uh, across all industries really nowadays. Sure. The term that jumps out right away, a phrase that you use is the idea of passionate performance. Clue us in what that is exactly. Right. And a lot, when a lot of people hear that term, Tim, they, they tend to key in on the passionate side, but it's really, it's this model we have of engaging employees and it's really how to engage their hearts and their minds. So we engage their, their minds by meeting certain basic needs, like the need for achievement, autonomy, and mastery. And with that, we get performance. But we also have to engage their hearts. And there are three basic needs that we have to meet as a leader to engage their hearts. Those are the needs for purpose, intimacy, and appreciation. And with that, we get passion. And then so we, we hit, they kind of go hand in hand. You can't just drive performance, performance, performance all the time. Sure. You switch up. You can't just drive <laughs> passion, 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 because then that's just a party, right? So, so it's, it's really the two coming together, getting passionate performance. And we just describe, define that as getting discretionary effort, building the kind of environment where your team is willingly giving their extra time and energy to help meet your organization's goals. That's really what it's about. I like that. I like that breakdown. Uh, I can already tell you're passionate about what we're talking about here. So uh, (laughs) it definitely comes through. Quickly, before we get into some of those details, and we were going to focus on sort of that, you know, emotional side, that passion side, but should employees need to be motivated by their leaders and be engaged by their leaders? Well, I I would say when when our leaders ask us that question, they say, but we hire great people. And I I would say, listen, hiring great people is necessary, but not sufficient. Hmm. I think we've all seen a great employee come in and somehow kind of get the life sucked out of them. We've also seen maybe a mediocre employee get with the right leader and bring the best out of that person. So, you know, I I think we all have to be led at some level. I don't care if we're the CEO or a frontline worker. And so I think that really the leader really does make a difference. Does it make a leader's job if everyone comes in and they're on fire? That's great. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to be Pollyanna about it. Any organization has a full range of, of people that some are, don't really want to come to work and some are dying to come to work. Some are dying to leave. So um, I, I think it is important for the leader to even just make some connections. Like for example, uh, to, as a, a, a segue into what we'll talk about, is that we always say the leader is nothing more than a bridge builder. Hmm. So their job is to build a bridge for employees, whether they're motivated or not, build a bridge for them between today's tasks and toils and a brighter tomorrow. So whether I'm washing dishes or doing maintenance in an organization, I start to see how I make that connection to something bigger than my job. And that's really meeting that need for purpose, one of the three emotional needs. And, and then another way we build connections is, or build bridges is build the bridges amongst the team members. And so they feel like a real sense of team and are willing to go the extra mile for each other. And that's meeting that need for intimacy. Mm-hmm. And then another way that uh, uh, we're, build, we're bridge builders as leaders is to build a connection between 
the person's contribution and a sense of appreciation for what they bring to the table. And that's that need for appreciation. So really that whole kind of emotional side we're talking about to kind of drive passion is really all about connections. So great leaders to me are great connectors. I don't care if you're a super motivated employee, Mm -hmm. that's great, but you'll be even more motivated and more passionate if you can see all those connections that a leader really helps build. Sure. Well, you touched on those those three needs that you've been talking about and, uh, you know, purpose being that first one you mentioned. And it seems like, you know, in some industries, some professions, it would be easy to find that purpose in what you're doing. You know, maybe it is you're working with people or you have that intrinsic value that you're able to utilize at that job. But if it is something that maybe you have to find that purpose or or create it, how do you go about doing that? Because I feel like that's got to be a difficult thing to bring out in somebody or really convince someone like they have a purpose. Right. So, for example, you work in a hospital, right? It makes it easier to kind of identify the purpose. Right, Right, right. But truthfully... You can identify that, but they're the same jobs in a hospital they have everywhere else. They have people that are kind of keeping the books, people maybe like you know, washing dishes, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember a client of mine told me one time her first job in high school was working at a hospital. And she went in and her boss said, you know what, Cheryl, it's great to have you here. I just want to let you know that our mission at the hospital is to create a healthy, clean environment so that we can send our patients home with their loved ones as quickly as possible. It just so happens you'll be helped meeting that mission by keeping the dishes clean. You're the dishwasher. And so he got that, that it was like, he needs to build a bridge. Right. So I don't care if you're in an IT organization, it's really important to step back and ask, why do we do what we do? I think when you're in a frontline, maybe a support role or a frontline uh, leader, or even just an employee, it's easy to see. We ask people like, why do you do what you do? Their instinct is to still define what they do. These are the things that I do. But when we really, if you really step back and say, why do I do this? Why do I ultimately do this? Ask the question, how do I improve the life for our customers? Hmm. How do I improve the human condition? In any job, you can find that. And so it's really important to step back and just ask that why question, because that's really the ultimate motivational question that that's really starts giving you a glimpse of the, the really the more fundamental purpose, what we call sometimes a compelling cause. Sure. Even if you're a for-profit organization, if we can make our teams feel like they're working for a cause, that's a great thing. So, But it does require the leader and the employee to kind of step back and say, okay, get out of the day-to-day. It's great that we handle the books every day and we handle accounts payable, but why do we do that? How does it make a difference in someone's life? And it may not be my direct customer, Mm -hmm. but down the line, how do we ultimately make a difference? And that's really the connection we need to keep making for our day-to-day to to keep us motivated. So especially with purpose, is that something that needs to be done, like a one-on-one situation as opposed to saying, hey, here is our great purpose? I mean, where where would you balance that out? Yeah, we generally start at the top of the organization, but in any department, no matter where you are, we do start as a team. What is the purpose for our team? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we do desktop support, right, for, for the IT organization. <laughs> you know, so what are we really here? We're really here to help people be as productive as possible so they can add value to the organization, but then also have as much time as they can back at home. We want them to be as efficient as possible here at work so that they can enjoy their loved ones at home too, right? That might be a purpose for like a, a PC support department. And then within that, people probably have specific jobs. So once you have the general kind of umbrella uh, for what the general purpose of the department is, then you, I think it's worth having a one-on-one discussion to kind of ask people how they really personalize that. What does it mean to them? Because until people personalize something, it really, they're just kind of reacting to, to words. Hmm. So it's really important to engage them in conversation and, and really have them think about, okay, what's that mean for me? What can I be doing differently to make that happen? How does that really affect me? Uh, and if we can kind of get people internalize it, then so we start kind of igniting that passion. Right. Along those same lines, and you mentioned that, you know, the term teamwork, of course, that's always a, a big thing. It's talked about collaboration and, and sort of this togetherness. But how do you how do you go about 
speaking on creating that real intimacy, as you put it, as being in need? I mean, where do you begin with that or what are the important aspects of building that intimacy? Yeah, there are two components. I'll focus on one of them. Let me just mention the other. One is to create the sense of smallness. You know, as organizations get bigger and bigger, we start having teams that are so big, it's hard to feel the sense of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So as your teams get bigger, we want to start kind of breaking them down a little bit so people feel connected to each other more. So like, uh, like Amazon has like a two-pizza rule. If their teams get bigger <laughs> than two pizzas can feed, they start breaking them down. You know, Microsoft for years had a traditional rule that their development teams would never be bigger than 25, so they kind of have that connectedness. So that's one thing, that sense of smallness. But the other way to do that is really to, to create rituals on your team. If you've ever been involved in a fraternity or sorority in college, you know, you know the power of rituals. It's you know, these things that you could, you could depend on, that, that, that you go through, that make you feel special and exclusive. And so as a leader, these kind of rituals are important. And a ritual could be having a Monday morning meeting. That's right. a ritual, right? Sure. Fact, it could be that we celebrate birthdays at the last Friday of every month. It could be that uh, one, once a quarter we go out and serve the community and Habitat for Humanity or whatever it might be, right? Or it could be whenever we win a big deal, we ring a bell, or, or each, each, each week or each quarter we acknowledge someone for great performance. So there are rituals around lots of things, but having rituals is a great way as a leader to kind of, number one, they have to be authentic, first of all, and, and feel like natural to you. You don't want to just start, oh, we're going to do a cheer for our team. You know, right. It doesn't feel right for you, but natural and, and be done with 100% reliability. So we, we have clients that like start every meeting with a ritual called highs and lows. They go around the table and say, give me a high and a low from the last meeting. Could be at home, could be at work. Hey, we had a great week. Uh, my kid just won a state championship or my mother-in-law has cancer. Could be a high or a low. And it's a way for the team to reach out and support that person and be, have a window into their world and also a way for them to acknowledge uh, and recognize that person. But those rituals are, are really key. And it's a way to kind of make people feel special, connected to each other. And the reason we do that, it's not just to do it for do its sake, right. is that once I really understand the person behind the employee, the person behind my team member, then I'm willing to go the extra mile for them. If I know they're struggling at, at home or something, I'm going to say, you know, let me cover for them and, and do this. I know they're having a tough time or they're, they're at work. They're not getting the resources they need. You know what? I'm doing okay. Let me pitch in a little bit, make sure they can kind of meet their objectives. So that's really the power of connectedness so that we really know we have a family or a group of friends at work that we know intimately and are willing to kind of, you know, get down in the foxhole with them. You mentioned the idea of those those rituals, and I think, uh, you know, you brought up the high and low. I think that's a very intriguing prospect that people, you know, could possibly utilize in their workplace. But you talked about sort of the rituals of maybe a huddle up of some kind or, you know, celebrations or banging a gong. What if you have an employee or two who... they're just not into that kind of thing, but they're still a high performer. They get along great with their employees, but you know, they just don't want to go ring a bell. They don't want to do those kind of little, they might see it as cheesy or whatever. What would you say to the leaders in that group? How do you handle that? Just as the leader needs to decide the rituals that feel authentic and natural for his or her leadership style. He also needs to step, he or she needs to step back and say, what, what would feel right for my team, right? If I have like a bunch of technical guys that just want to kind of put their nose to the grindstone and get work done, I'm probably not going to have a team cheer and I'm probably not going to ring a gong every time we land a big deal. Right. Right. So I think it's important to identify the culture of your team and find something that fits them too. That doesn't mean it's going to fit every single person, but I'd say in general, if you're, if you're aware of that, most people are, are on board with that. And, and again, if people understand and, and you can communicate to them the value of the ritual, that it's not just to do something, it's really to kind of bring people closer together so we can get discretionary effort from them then people realize that, okay, it might not be my style, but at least I'll go along with it at minimum. But we right. generally, if people are savvy, if leaders are savvy about selecting the right rituals, 
we generally don't, don't see people going, I'm just not going to do that, no matter how high I perform. They, it, it feels natural. It feels like it's the right thing to do. And people see that it's an important part of building the team, which ultimately builds performance. So, again, I'm not saying it never happens, but in sure. general, if it's selected right, it's not really the problem. Right. No, and that makes perfect sense. I just, I was just curious. Uh, you know, I, I might fall into that category a little bit here and there, so that's why I was okay. asking. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> now, when it comes to you know you, the third aspect you mentioned, as far as you know, again, sparking that passion, um, appreciation, and uh, again, it's a, a buzzword, if you will, and people know it and they hear it, and but sometimes I feel they don't really know where to go with it, and they just kind of throw throw items against the board and think it's gonna gonna work. What are right, the true right. keys in your mind to actually appreciating. Right. The key is here that has to be sincere and meaningful, right? right? And, and again, fitting your style. So if I go say, go appreciate people, Tim, and you go back and say, hey, that's a nice tie, buddy. I mean, that kind of thing. They're <laughs> going to know that if, you're, if it's forced. So if you start writing them thank you notes and it doesn't really feel right for you, they'll feel that. So whatever you, the way you choose to express your appreciation has to feel natural to you. But here's the key. There's always a gap. You could ask my wife, Hey, Julie, how much does Lee appreciate you? And she might, on a scale of 10, she might say, oh, he's pretty good, seven or eight, maybe on a good day, nine. Ask me how much I appreciate my wife. And I'm like, hey, she's a 15, right? <laughs> right. And it's the same thing that happens with your team every day. Leaders tend to think they, they appreciate their teams more than their teams feel appreciated. The problem is there's a gap between they have thoughts of appreciation, they just don't convert them into acts of appreciation as frequently as they should. So I would just say find simple ways that are natural to you. It could be an email. It could be a text. Yes, it feels un, uh, impersonal to do that, but you know what? It's better than nothing. Sure. Right? If you could write a note card, that, that's great. Just tell people, hey, did a great job. If you're a high enough leader, ask your leaders below you to say, hey, tell me about the guys on the front line. Who did a great job last week? And while I'm on the road, I'll just send them a quick email or I'll send them a voicemail. They, you know, do you know what it means to hear from like two levels above you that you did a great job? Right, right. So to the extent that it's so specific, sincere, and meaningful, instead of just saying, hey, great job, Tim, you might say, hey, Jim, I really like the way you worked out that, that win-win with that client. You really saved them, but it kind of kept our, kept our revenues where they needed to be. That's terrific. So something specific. But again, there are a million ways, and none of them cost money, right? right? So it just has to be natural for you. But I would say a lot of times people might say, uh, and I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth if you don't let me for a minute here. They might say, well, <laughs> I don't really like to do that. I push a lot of our clients that it might not feel natural, but get in the habit of it because people, leaders sometimes forget how powerful. This is a very fundamental human need to feel appreciated. I mean, I've walked by clients before that have a little note card on their desk and it's been there for five years. Hmm. And I know their boss didn't realize what well, the three minutes they took five years ago to write that note card would have five years of trophy value, right? Yeah. So it's a fundamental need. So whatever way you can find to just let people know. And if you need to make a ritual out of it, so because sometimes you don't naturally think about it and just say, before we open every meeting, maybe instead of the high-low ritual, it's an appreciation ritual. I just wanted to take a minute before we get into the agenda, guys, uh, to say thanks to Tom. He did a great job here, and, and Sue did an awesome job over there. So you could ritualize it so you don't necessarily have to remember it all the time. So just take some time before a meeting or something to make sure you do it. But boy, if you do one thing, even if you don't buy off on the quote-unquote soft stuff like appreciation, if you just want to do something that's going to get more effort out of your people immediately, bottom line, plenty of research will always tell us that, that people do more for those who appreciate us. And so that's the one thing you could do. And you, there's no going overboard as long as it's sincere and meaningful. In fact, there's never been any studies ever that have ever shown <laughs> that any employee has ever felt overappreciated, right? That's you, a good you, point. You know, you can go, <laughs> sky's the limit on that. So as long as it's sincere and meaningful, man, quickest way to get more effort out of your team. 
Well, again, I, I definitely appreciate your uh, your passion and your uh, you know your energy with this. It's clearly something you you love to do and you love to talk about. And of course, as I said, I'm sure there are leaders out there that want to do it and, and want to start somewhere. So on the flip side, what are the mistakes that are made? What are the biggest mistakes that they make when they're trying to incorporate this and maybe not in, in the best way? Yeah, I think oftentimes we see leaders that some of them may even read, read one of our books and say, oh, Lee, now I know what to do. I need to go tell my employees what to do. And, and, <laughs> and the truth is because they think of employee engagement and I think it's an employee issue. Well, truthfully, employee engagement is a, a leadership issue. It's a leadership initiative. So a lot of times what, uh, what some of the mistakes, at least for the leader does, is, is start pointing to the employee. Not that as employees, we should take responsibility for our own you know, level of, of passion sure. also. But some people just don't own that. And if everyone just owned it, just like in any relationship, if we all took 100% responsibility on both sides, we'd come in the middle and have a great relationship, right? So it's the same thing. I think the number one thing is that people just don't, don't own it. But when they do own it and they start looking beyond the employee to the person that's beyond the, past the employee, uh, and they start identifying some of these needs that we've talked about, um, they, they start seeing very quick responses. Well, again, we uh, we do enjoy all the, you know, you've given us some practical ideas. You've, you've shown us the passion in action. And uh, basically what we like to do here at the end of our shows as we get close to our time limit, give the guests the opportunity to give our listeners a takeaway from the conversation. I, I'm sure they've taken plenty already, but what would be that lasting impression you'd want to give off regarding sparking employee passion? Sure. And I would say, don't wait for your leader. I mean, you might say, gee, you know, as an employee, I've heard these needs. He's talked about purpose, intimacy, appreciation. I'm not getting those needs met. Do what you can to meet those needs for yourself, but also feel free to be explicit to your leader to say, hey, you know, this is what I need. And when you do this for me, I really perform at peak levels. When you don't, just like anytime we have an unmet need, we feel frustrated. But I'd say take your share of ownership over if, if whether you're a leader or a manager, and step into it and meet the other party halfway, whether it's you know, defining what your sense of purpose is and why we do what we do, or feeling the sense of connectedness with our team, or, or this, this sense of appreciation. Step into it, meet them, be the leader, regardless of your role. Leadership's not a title, it's a role we play, right? So be the leader, uh, and you'll start seeing improvements in, in, in how you feel about things, and hopefully you'll even trigger an improvement from the other party. All right. That sounds like a great place to close out this edition of Employment Notebook. And again, our discussion about sparking employee passion and the various ways that uh, the leaders and employees can go about that. We have been speaking with Lee Colan, founder of The L Group. And you can go to thelgroup.com to find more about uh, Lee and as well as the organization and what they do over there. Lee, thanks once again for sharing your insights with listeners. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Tim. Bye-bye now. And of course, we also want to hear from you, the listener. If you have any comments or suggestions, just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any thoughts related to any of our podcasts here at LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.